0: Isn't it funny how we all start off with a plan or conception of what our life and career will look like, but oftentimes we end up in a completely different place than we ever could have dreamed? Well, this is a podcast where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, and entrepreneurs to hear how they handled life's unexpected events. I'm your host, Andrew East. I'm an engineer turned professional athlete turned entrepreneur, and I'm super excited to bring you these stories to help inspire you to reach your dreams, no matter what they look like. In this segment of the Weekly Redirect, it's all about Sean and I's home search. And for those of you who follow Sean and I on Instagram, you know that we have been searching for a new home as we look to grow our family. And uh, I'm happy to say that we put an offer in on a house. And we'll probably be making one at least, uh, if not two, YouTube videos about our home search process. We take you along in the houses that we liked with our real estate agent it's a lot of fun. I think you guys will enjoy it. So that's something I'm really excited about, and without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the episode. Our guest today is five-time Grammy-nominated, two-time Grammy winner, Jacob Luttrell. Jacob's going to tell us about how he went from being a youth pastor to one of the most successful musicians around, and he's going to make you laugh along the way. You can find him on Instagram at Luttrell and in the show notes down below. Without further ado, everybody, Jacob Luttrell. Jacob, thank you for joining us. Hey, buddy. Super excited you can make it on. Good to be here. I hate to see you in a cast, though. I mean, listen, it's okay.
1: Every every part of pain is a teacher. You know that. And uh, I've been learning a lot lately. Okay. Yeah, how to walk again, mostly. <laughs> how long were you not able to walk? Three months. Three months, uh, I tore my Achilles tendon playing basketball with Austin Mahone. And this is his fault. Austin. This is your fault. You uh, <laughs> knew I shouldn't have been playing with the young bucks. You know, yeah. I'm too old to be playing anymore,
0: but here we are. Um, did you hear, I re- I hear when you tear your Achilles, there's a audible sound, yeah. like snapping of, mm-hmm. is that what you heard? Well, it sounded more like, you're too old for this. That's what it, like, <laughs> it was more
1: like an audible, Just get off the court. <laughs> no, you. It, we, we all heard it. It was very, it was like a
0: gunshot. Okay.
1: Yeah. And it, it was bad.
0: Oh, so you, you learned something from it. Um yeah. Would you voluntarily sign up for this again if you had the choice to learn what you – If I knew that I was going to have, like, you know, some,
1: like, f- spiritual experience through it, then, yeah, absolutely, for sure. But not knowing that, I I wouldn't go through the pain again. The pain is – Not having a leg, I have so much respect for people that like have to do that kind of thing every day, like people who like are born with a disability or something. I was just like, like, wow, this world is not set up for people that don't have, you know, all of
0: their limbs intact all the time. Yeah, it's not.
1: Yeah, (laughs) so much respect.
0: I guess a huge positive to it though is you get this cane that Mm. you're. I mean, you're flaunting it. Don't don't try to yeah. You're what cane? Re- you're, sh- you're really showing it off. <laughs> Don't act like you're not. Um, oh, my
1: gosh. I've had so many people tell me, listen, you just need to keep the cane. <laughs> and I'm like, that makes me seem like maybe you think I'm just old now. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll just own it. <laughs> How old are you? I'll be 40 this year. Wow. I'll be 40 at, in uh, in November, actually. Wow.
0: yeah. Wow. Are you going for the Moses look here? <laughs> Is that the beard? Kind of? Just want to get stopped at the airport um, as much as possible. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's. I call it the Ibrahim Lincoln or the, <laughs> the Al Qaeda. I call it Al Qaeda. Yeah.
0: Jacob, so we've we've really had you stayed at our house in Nashville, mm-hmm. and while Love you were it. there, so great. Uh, we had the misfortune of playing golf together. <laughs> that was <laughs> oh my gosh! Jacob this and will I, go down in history as
1: the worst day of golf. <laughs> ever <laughs> we
0: got so hyped to play golf we're like oh yeah let's get let's get around yeah. in tomorrow Wolf. sweet yeah. good i'm good at golf you're good at golf this will be great we go out there we lost probably 40 balls in five holes we yeah. kind of looked at each other after that they're like nah we're done let's let's i go did have one
1: good flop shot there was one good flop that, i don't remember what what green it was or whatever but it was just like it was just like and it was like this far from the hole and that was the highlight of the day and we should have quit <laughs> we should stop there man. but we decided we were like oh this means that things are turning around
0: no they yeah. did not turn around it's always a tease oh um man, but bad. when we were golfing <laughs> and while you were staying at our house we had some really good conversations got mm-hmm. to get to know you yeah uh, our relationship started as a result of the gymnastics tour in 2016 mm-hmm. sean was introduced to you yeah and uh loved like literally loved you right off the bat i was kind of freaked out i was like she kept talking about jacob but you oh you got oh jacob said this jacob i was like uh, i don't know who jacob is who right is, who does jacob do <laughs> yeah. but uh i've i've really enjoyed getting to know you or at least that one weekend um and you had a story that i thought would fit perfectly on this podcast which as we were talking about is all mm-hmm. about we all think we know what we're getting into. We all have an uh, idea of what our career is, and then we get redirected <laughs> yeah. into something else. So yeah. I would love to start just kind of your background growing up, um, just the initial phase of your career trajectory um, and how you got there.
1: Well, it's, it, was, it, was, it was pretty simple. I mean, since I was very, very young, like my, my mom and my uncle listened to a lot of Stevie Wonder and a lot of uh, Earth, Wind & Fire. And I was just, like, enamored with Stevie Wonder right away. And then my dad's, like, influence was, like, the Beatles and the Moody Blues and the Police. And uh, I just, I, like, fell in love with music when I was two years old. And I knew that there was something going to be there. Like, I was like, I want to sing like Stevie Wonder. So I spent all my time trying to make my voice sound like, you know, him or, you know, any anybody else that was doing styles like him. And, and uh, I just kind of, like, I've always had the ear for that. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to be famous someday, you know? And then, uh, yeah, that's where it started. <laughs> but uh, later on, it turned into uh, being a struggling musician in L.A. and having to find work and wanting to do work in music, but not necessarily, like, you know, what I wanted to do, and ended up just writing songs for people. And that became my career. So now I have all these songs with all these other people still work on my stuff but it's, it's, it's less about uh, being famous and more about just the love of music it's about putting something out there that's actually going to impact somebody that hears it you know somebody like w- I, I w- what I want with the music I'm doing now is not to make the most money I can make it's to make the biggest impact
0: I can make yeah so. at what point did that switch uh, when you had the success or before that no
1: I mean like <clears throat> the success actually I thought was going to be the catalyst for my other success you know what I mean I thought when I when I got my first big hits I thought that was going to change to okay now people are going to r- recognize him as a, like a great singer or another another great artist And like you know Bruno Mars did it that way Neo did it that way they were writing for other people and then someone noticed them um, and I think my window of opportunity just got really really small because I was always busy and I didn't finish my project I just didn't I didn't make the time for it. So um, that, like married with like a few very, very potent spiritual awakenings, you know, during that time were kind of what had me at the spot. Like, you know what? Okay, maybe I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. And the stuff that I'm trying to do isn't necessarily the stuff I'm supposed to do. You know, so, and it was hard. It was like, it was like having to let go of a part of myself, you know, cause like that's always been my identity. Jacob's going to be famous. That was my, that was who I was and that's who I was to the people I knew. And then I had to let that die. And, uh, it was hard. It was really hard, but, uh, it's peaceful now. It's really, it's really peaceful and it feels good. I feel like I'm in the right
0: spot. Yeah. I want to back up a little bit. Okay. So you had this passion to mm-hmm. sound like Stevie wonder. Yeah. Um, you go to high school. You are doing music. Mm-hmm. Did you go to college? No. What would you do right out of high school?
1: Right out of high school, I was in this band. I was in this like uh, gospel rap band called God Quest, and I was right out of high school. We were touring. Like I was in I was in Europe, and we were all over the U.S. And uh, uh, yeah, I was I was singing everywhere, <laughs> all the time. And I, college was never on my radar. I never ever loved school at all. In retrospect, it would have been great, <laughs> but I never loved it. So I was like, I'm going to do what I want. I was a 17-year-old, I-know-everything kid, for sure, for sure. But, yeah, I went to uh, SU, Sleeping University.
0: SIU. You Victorian, know, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Congratulations. GodQuest had a lot of success, didn't they? I
1: mean, we had, like, some moderate success in the in the Christian world, and then then it kind of died off,
0: yeah. But
1: it was cool. It was fun
0: what happened after god quest ended? after god
1: quest um i actually got married for the first time i i've been married twice i got married for the first time after god quest and uh and uh i moved to san jose and started uh leading worship at a church yeah and how old were you i was uh 22 so this was 85 years ago
0: <laughs> was it hard was it hard to go from touring to i mean no offense but being like the worship leader at a, at a church yeah
1: absolutely i love to travel and i was in that age where like you know being away was my favorite and i think that's part of why the marriage kind of fell apart too because i didn't really want to be stationary i didn't want to be in one place and uh yeah it kind of it kind of manifested in a in a divorce
0: (laughs) after how many years uh two years that one was two years was the inspiration to stop touring because you got married uh, I wouldn't call it inspiration. Yeah. The reason, <laughs> the reason, yeah, the reason, it was that. But. This is uh, he's, he's preaching about marriage right now. <laughs> uh, I've, I've I've been learning this in my relationship with Sean. Yeah, it's not so much a choice as it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you like you. The, at that time, you know, I knew nothing about myself at that time. I knew nothing about you know the difference between choice and decision. I knew nothing about like sacrifice. I just knew. Uh, I'm supposed to be happy in marriage and my life and, and it it just created a fight but man hindsight is twenty twenty.
0: 20 well, what, what do you mean?
1: <laughs> I mean like if I had just made a choice to say just focus on family just family then I believe that all the other stuff would have come you know what I mean? like just focus on family and and, and really give my all to the marriage and that, like that part of my, you know, my life. The music was always going to be there. It was always going to be there. Um, and I was always doing music wherever I was anyway. And that was going to, that was like uh, a vehicle that took me places. It could have taken the whole family places, but instead, I separated the two and I made them, like, I played them against each other. And I was like, I can't, like, be in music and then take care of my family at the same time and always be around and. I could have, totally could have. You just have to create it, and I didn't know how yet. So,
0: It's so interesting. I'm watching a National Geographic series, Genius. I'm not sure if you heard of it. Mm-hmm. It's really good. They did one on Einstein, one on Picasso, and it's insight into these really talented genius people. Mm-hmm. And in both so far, they've referenced the concept that you can't have a successful family and a successful career, which is such an – I feel like that's a common – I would say misbelief. I agree. Yeah, it's a definitely a misbelief a mis- because
1: it really, like, first of all, it depends on how you create it. If you really want something and you lay it out, the way that you communicate with the universe is going to dictate how it comes to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, then, you know, whatever that means to you. Like, you know, some people would call God the universe. Some people would call the universe, you know, their spiritual ground or whatever. But, you know... How you communicate with your deity and how you, like, you know, like the like the book, The Secret. If you manifest that stuff, what you put out there is what's going to come back to you. If you put out there, I want career and family, that's what's coming back to you. But you just got to put it out powerfully. That's it.
0: You just got to communicate, talk, <laughs> say it out loud. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? no. laughs> Write it down. Live it. Be it. So, If you don't mind, I kind of want to talk about your religious oh, journey. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Were you <laughs> raised Christian? Yeah. Yeah. And so this is what inspired the God Quest band. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my my spiritual journey with religion. I was raised Christian, and I was like, I was born into it. I was born into Christianity, and my parents were like, "This is what we are, so this is what you are." And uh, I didn't really ask many questions until like later, and uh, since then, I've I'm like the kind of person that I'm not gonna, like, knock something until I try it. So I tried a few different things. I <laughs> I I tried Christianity for a while. I was Mormon for a little while. I did Scientology for a little while. I I studied Buddhism for a little while. Um you know, and I I, I still kind of like take from different places and the stuff that like like resonates with me and that that has worked for me and that has um I mean proven to be something that st- stuck. Those are the things that I still kind of um you know attach myself to most of it is meditation and prayer that's pretty much it so yeah why do you think those two are super important (sighs) because we're in a chaotic world and those things are so like grounding and they just get like it's just a way to get everything out of the way and find peace inside this chaos there's so many things going on that are distractions and that are like constantly in your face you know technology is always there and there's always something going on in technology it used to be you had to go find that stuff but now it finds you and there's no peace unless you go and find it and get it and when you don't um, when you don't take the time to do that I feel like we just get like I don't know stressed out and the stress leads to anger and people are just like walking around really mad all the time especially in New York <laughs> I, I, I just got <laughs> flicked off driving, driving really in here, yeah I yeah. think it's so me. L- <laughs> yeah, for,
0: I would I wouldn't be surprised. Do you f- I so I was I was born and raised super conservative Christian mm-hmm. and uh I feel like I'm I'm really at the age now where like I'm trying to firm up my faith or I I'm asking the questions that that really matter. Yeah. Do you feel like your exploration of these different faiths ultimately strengthened your faith, whatever that term means to you? That's a really good question.
1: I feel like, for me, yes, I feel like it did strengthen my faith. I don't know if it strengthened my faith in what I started off Mm -hmm. believing in, but I also do believe that, you know, like all of these different religions and all these different, you know, ways of finding your spirituality, they all lead to the same thing. And whatever is going to strengthen you in yours is good for you. That's what I think. Everything, everything is, is leading to treat people with respect and love and love them like you love yourself. And like, you know, that's good. (laughs) There's there's like, there's no other way to really say that. Like that, if you're living like that, no matter what religion you are, that is good. And whatever strengthens your connection to your religion, that's going to make you be that, then I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: I feel like I've I've grown in my faith because I was my parents raised me and I'm super thankful for the way I was raised but they raised me with the with the mindset that we're going to shelter our kids mm-hmm. from potential bad choices they could make and you just grow up and you're exposed to so many more things. Yes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh that now I feel like I am able to choose like choose acts that reinforce my faith as opposed to not be exposed to them, which I, I think is a stronger concept. Yeah. I, I've, I've been really on this mental journey because I spent some time in Utah recently mm-hmm. and it's a very strong Mormon culture yeah. there. And you get this sense that obviously, you know, you're born into it, you're raised in it and you're not exposed to much else because everybody else is your same religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just very interesting to contrast that with a place like L.A., which now Sean and I have have been. We've been here like a year, mm-hmm. and you get exposed to everything, everything out here. Everything, everything. Yeah, everything. yeah. yeah for sure. you spent a good amount of time in both Utah. Yeah. And you've, now you live in L.A. Yeah. Um, tell me about your time in Utah. <laughs> it was cold. Go- <laughs> it <laughs> was you,
1: really cold. You in Salt Lake City? No, I was near Salt. I was in a place called Lehigh. Okay. Um, anybody from. Utah or near Salt Lake would say, "Why were you in Lehi?" Um, I <laughs> it was my second marriage, and I was I was doing the family thing, and uh, it was my my time there. There was really really amazing things about it, and really really horrible things about it for me. And it felt like like part of it felt like a prison. I was I was just like stuck in this place where I couldn't really. I couldn't. I didn't really have an outlet for what I wanted to do. I had an outlet, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for me. Um, I love Utah. I love to visit. I love beautiful. Yeah, I love to. I love to play golf out there. Um, when this heals up, we should go play in Utah There's some courses. that I don't know. We didn't have
0: luck the first time. I mean, so.
1: that one's the first time. <laughs> now I'm injured, and I've learned so much about myself. We'll probably
0: okay. be way better. What voice is this? I'm curious. I don't know. It's a new character I'm working on. <laughs> Sometimes he just he can't look you right in the eye. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, if you can't see, he's crossing his eyes right now. I've never seen it. Oh, he can one. see it. It's great. You can see it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, Utah was, uh, Utah was great, and it wasn't at the same time. I love Utah. I don't ne- never want to live there again
0: ever. <laughs> Did you learn? Was your mindset into your second marriage, uh, the same or different? It started off
1: different. It started off different. Um, yeah, no, it was a, it was definitely a, a pattern that I like after the second one, I noticed, okay, this is a pattern. I'm probably, I probably shouldn't get married at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was it started off and i you know it started off looking great and i was like okay i got this i know what i'm doing this time and you know i just i fell into my old vices and uh i felt trapped again and being in utah didn't help that and being in like the really small part of utah that we were really didn't help that it felt like i was in the wilderness and i was like oh no i'm going to die here <laughs> <So>. <laughs> did,
0: did your music get put on the back burner?
1: uh it's somewhat yeah Yeah, I I tried to do a project out there with my brother, and that kind of fell apart, too, and uh, I was working for a lot of other people to just try to make ends meet and, you know, didn't really have time to, again, do my my thing. I had to put my, my energy into other people's stuff so that I could take care of my family, so...
0: Yeah. Were you working other jobs? Uh y-
1: I was I was producing. I was like writing and producing and I was MCing for this dance company, which is how I met James, which is how I met Sean. Right. James Twileva. He's really dope. He's a great dancer. <laughs> great dancer. <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah. Um yeah, I was I was working a lot for other people and doing very like maybe twenty percent of my own stuff. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Doing shows here and there, I didn't pay much. There wasn't a lot of venues there. There's like one or two really good
0: places to play. That was it. And you're how old at this point?
1: Twenty seven, twenty six, twenty seven. Okay. Twenty
0: eight. So now like five, six years music's been on the back burner. Yeah. What happens next?
1: <laughs> uh second divorce comes along and I wow, well, what I, what was going on then? Okay, so I had I had toured with uh with Kelly Clarkson and Clay Aiken for a little while at this point. Um, and then
0: was Clay in the first American Idol winner.
1: No, no, Kelly was clay was the second one. He was, he wasn't even the second winner. He didn't win. What? Ruben stuttered one. Oh my God. Oh yeah. yeah Ruben <laughs> <Stuttard>. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but Kelly and clay did a tour together and I was singing backgrounds for them. And, uh, that lasted for through a little bit of the marriage. I went back into touring a little bit during the marriage and it was like my getaway. Um, And it probably had a lot to do with why I felt trapped when I got back. I was like, hello. Oh, my gosh. I'm back in Lehigh. (laughs) Well, the tour lifestyle is like... Completely. (laughs) It's a a party. It is a party. It's a party, and you wake up in a different city every day, and you party again, and you do music, and then you party. It's amazing. And every
0: night you're in front of how many thousands of people? Yeah, like 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 20,000
1: people, and it's just like...
0: It's amazing. It's really so athletes always have a hard time transitioning out because like you're used to being the, the alpha in the room. You're used to everybody gravitating towards you and being interested in what you're doing. And you're used to performing in front of huge crowds mm-hmm. and people knowing your name. I feel like musicians coming off of tour are, is like athletes retiring yeah. where you're stuck in this weird, it's like almost a depression because you've been on such a high high. Yeah. Where do you go next? Yeah. Like what, what can match or top that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's why I like coming back to L.A., because L.A. is a tour to me. Like, when I go out and play in L.A., it's like being on tour. And I just go home and go to sleep. (laughs) That's great. It's wonderful. (laughs) I don't have to get in a bus. I don't have to check into a hotel room. None of that. Um, But, yeah, I totally know what you mean. Um, I mean, for you though, like, cause you're so adorable, like, you get that attention all the time. It's the hair. Right? It's the it. hair gets everybody. Just go like that. <laughs> Can you do it in slow motion? Can I you d- go like this in slow motion? Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's kind of, it's kind of. I put a lot of gel in it, so I'm embarrassed to say. I don't, I don't just know just if gonna... I had the flow last time. No, I saw you.
1: man. When I saw you today, I was like, where did all this hair come from? You look like
0: Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I won't let you take off your I mean, hat of No, you don't. <laughs> you okay. don't want to see what's on here. There's a reason I'm wearing the hat, guys. Uh,
1: I just, I recently have uh, <laughs> accepted the fact that I'm really balding, like a lot. So <laughs> I feel like you're one of the dudes that can rock the book, Yeah, like if I am consistent on cutting it, for sure. 100%. I'm,
0: I'm lazy. 100%. I'm lazy. Um. So after the tour with Clay. Yeah,
1: yeah. after two Kelly and Clay, then I, I, after the divorce, go back to L.A. and I say, okay, I am putting all my energy, 105%, into artistry i 'm doing it i 'll sleep on couches. I think I slept on like seven couches in the first year of coming back to l a and i just i I played in as many places as possible and i was ma- i just made sure I was seen doing music in in as many ways as possible in as many places as possible and that that actually opened so many doors for me, one of them being. I was playing at this jazz club that um uh it was every Thursday night and it was like star-studded like people would come in from everywhere all the time like every star you can think of prince came in one night and listened to us um and one this one guy that used to put together bands for for artists came in his name was Barry Squire he came in and said hey there 's this guy looking for keyboard programmers. I saw you playing keys. You know I know you from the the scene. Uh, you should go audition for this guy and I went and auditioned i didn 't really know what the audition was. I just knew I just I needed money, and so it was probably a job. I needed to do everything i could that That was my mindset at the time you know i 'm not going to say no to an audition so I went, I brought some music, I brought my keyboard, I played some stuff, I sang some stuff, and then i I played some of the stuff i had I had written. And it turned out to be Mike Karen, who is at the he was at the time he was the he was head A and R at Atlantic, and now he's uh, he's got his own publishing company called APG, and they they offered me some jobs. They didn't offer me a deal, but they offered me some jobs. Like the first session I had professionally was with Travis Barker, and I was like playing keyboard while Travis Barker was like trying to work his album out, and I was like, I don't know where I am right now, but this is awesome. <laughs> and uh, Mike really enjoyed what I did in that session so he offered me a publishing deal which it was a a very it was a small deal because nobody had heard of me so he was like I want to see I want to try you out and that turned into um, writing for a bunch of people my first hit was Tonight I'm Loving You by Enrique Iglesias and that from there everything just took off it was just like off to the races and then my solo stuff got put on the back burner again so I was like this is a lot of money and this is really good money I could do this for a while I can still take care of my kids and do music and and I just it, it just it, like when it when it came up that I was trying to do my own stuff you know I, I put a project out in the middle of that and it really didn't do well so I wasn't really putting my eggs into that basket I was like okay let me focus on you know some success and I've heard of it done before where you write like I said you write for other people and then people notice you and it didn't work out that way but the success you know continued with the writing so that's the short version there's a lot that happened in there <laughs> uh, because you
0: still d- during i mean your songwriting su- sec- success is mm-hmm. amazing can you just walk us like you know you know something about grammys i mean right? i know
1: a little bit about grammys not the, not the <laughs> ones i want yeah but yeah like I don't know man I've always had like an ear for every type of music and my success in writing I think has to do with like my my um the way I pay attention to what people like how people listen like as a musician and a lot of my musician friends the way that we listen to music like has nothing to do with pop music like we 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 don't want to hear it we don't want to hear pop music but when I hear like a very simple melody being sung and everybody in the room even if they've heard it one time they're all singing it and with the words I'm like okay this is there's this is a magic this mm-hmm. is a type of magic and it's it's uh it's it's nursery rhymes and nostalgia cuz okay, when you're young and you hear a nursery rhyme The reason that you can sing it back is because it's very simple. It's got three or four notes in it. Maybe had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. It's four notes in that whole melody.
0: I think I just got the tingles from that. (laughs) (laughs) It's Uh, it's awesome.
1: (laughs) But then, you know, then later, like if you're if you're not like a musical person all the time and if you're not like studying to be a musician, that is the extent of your musicality. So when that comes back to you you can sing it back and you feel like you're a part of it, pop music. That's when pop music happens. And uh, I love it and I hate it. But my success comes from knowing how people listen to music. And when I write a song, I want to sing all the notes. I want to go and like, do all kinds of runs and stuff you because know, that's how I sing. But people don't want to hear all that all the time. There's places for it, but for the most part, they want to hear a simple melody that they can feel connected to. And that's really like it really comes to. People just want to feel connected to something and is that a
0: redeeming quality for you for pop music because that's what makes it so popular is the fact that everybody can kind of comprehend it and yes and so no. many people are connecting to it
1: yes that. and no because i believe that like i believe that we can all evolve together musically and i feel like the way that uh the music business is now is not lending itself to let that happen it's we're keeping people exactly and even some like like some of the songs that like are out right now are even less than three notes and you know it's just like that it's means, like two a, or one note that means two or one <laughs> are you a mathematician <laughs> this guy um but yeah like it, it it's redeeming in the way that it does connect people and it's like it's like i've been in clubs where there's just like magic sometimes that you know, everybody's singing a song or even at a show, everybody's singing a song together and it's beautiful. But I've also been in situations like that where it's not a three note melody and everybody's singing and it's, Mm. it's, it's so much more magical to me when the musicality is just a little bit deeper. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Are there any artists aside from yourself (laughs) that are pushing that? doing a really good job at.
1: Yeah, I feel like I feel like Daniel Caesar is <clears throat> I feel like Daniel Caesar is somebody I've heard recently that that really is good at doing that. Um Emily King is one of my favorite artists in the world. She is not as popular as she should be. She's got a fan base, a really nice fan base, but it's not it's not a pop fan base.
0: Not L King.
1: No. Emily King. No,
0: Emily King. Okay.
1: Yeah, she's a, a Brooklyn artist. She's she's a guitar player. Her voice is golden it's made of velvet <laughs> okay
0: i'm excited to listen to yeah
1: her. okay so a lot of artists that i love like have a lot of songs that i like and then i skip some of their songs on the album emily king doesn't have any songs like that wow none wow. i do not skip any of her songs they all take me on some like amazing but this is my music head stuff too you know like she has some really like like melodies that like anybody could hang on to but then she does some chord changes that make people go oh well is this jazz? <laughs> really? You know, it's it's really good. I love it. Um, I don't even know
0: if I'm musically educated enough to know. Is this jazz? <laughs> but, <laughs> you know uh, oh, it's
1: amazing. But, uh, but no, yeah. There's
0: there's uh, oh, man. Who else? Oh, you got me on this because there's is, so many artists in my head now. Is a guy like Ed Sheeran who started off singer songwriter. Now he's pop. Is I mean, he,
1: he's he's always really been pop. He's really always been pop, but he's just, he's been at different, it's different places in pop, but he's that kind of artist that could, if he wanted to go off into some really musical stuff, he could, you know, he's that talented, but he knows exactly what the people are going to respond to, and he
0: kills it. Are you saying, like, so... Pop is really limiting yeah. music to, like, this very thin boundary. Well, yeah,
1: pop, like, because pop, pop is popular music. And whatever is popular this week may not be popular next week, but they're both still popular. You know what I mean? Um, but, it's like, there was a time, and I think when he first came out, that singer-songwriter stuff, that acoustic stuff was really pop. That was the big, you know, everybody was into, like,
0: Sarah Bareilles. and, you I like know. her. Yeah, me too. She's great. I' have I've, I've, <laughs> I've always been confused why singer songwriter has been its own genre because it's like well, can't a singer and songwriter be for any genre you know you know yeah, what I'm saying yeah is it when the, when that's a genre is don't get me t- started on genres man is it <laughs> <laughs> genres why
1: because like because every every artist will tell you that they hate the question so what genre are you so i'm I'm music okay it's music You either like it or you don't there's music you like and there's music you don't. And genres is just a way to compartmentalize everything and go, okay, listen, we're going to put you in a box over here and we're going to put this box here and we're going to have everything organized. We don't need that. We don't need to organize it. Just if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. You know? Yeah, every, every music is singer-songwriter. If there's singing in it and a songwriter wrote it, yes, you're absolutely right about that. Mm. And people ask me all the time, what song is your, your album that's coming out? I have an album coming out, by the way. <laughs>
0: I'm excited I am so, he has one of my favorite songs on there can I say it can I say the name yeah. of it yeah something better is like one of legitimately my favorite songs the album beautiful is beautiful g- piano thank you man oh my gosh thank you
1: the album is gonna be called um, The Stupidity of Validity and it's been a seven year labor of love for me and I cannot wait to share it because it literally is like a story from beginning to end of unconsciousness to consciousness in 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 some sort of a story form it's 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 really beautiful and i can't i I really can't express how much i can't wait to share it with everybody or whoever wants to have it shared with them um but people ask me all the times what what style is it and i'd like have to switch my mindset from that you know that annoyed guy who's like it's music leave it alone and i have to you know okay let me speak to you in a language that you'll understand yeah and tell them it's like if the Beatles and Stevie Wonder got together and asked Timberland to do drums for them, that's what it sounds like. It's a lot of live strings and a lot of like poppy hook melodies, but a lot of like musical changes that are kind
0: of unexpected. It's a journey. It is absolutely a journey, so yeah, is this your do you still have the desire to be famous like is this an <laughs> attempt, or are you i th- I, mean, I feel like that's
1: always going to be with me? Um, but this is not an attempt to be famous. No. Um, I've, I've found peace in, uh, in something else. I've like the connection that I'm making with the people that are in my life and the people I care about. That is, that's what drives me now. And I feel like this is going to connect people to each other. I feel like it's going to connect them to themselves and, what I found was that I, I wasn't really able to connect with people on a level that I am now until I connected with myself and like really found out who I was and really like took real time to find out exactly who I was and who I wanted to be. And those are two different things. And how do I, you know, bridge the gap between those two things and this album and this project, I feel like my, my desire for it is for it just to be heard. Like I don't, I don't need to make a bunch of money off of it. It would be nice. Money's great, but I uh, what I need for it to do is just to travel. I need it to travel into the ears of as many people as possible. And uh, if being famous happens out of that, then great. But that's not my MO anymore. It's definitely still there. It's definitely still like, oh, maybe this will, you know, because that's been a part of my life, like I said, for my whole life. But I am not. I'm not connected to it so hard that I'll do anything for it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sell myself short i'm not going to sell out to doing something i don't
0: agree with to get there and i agree with everything on this album everything i actually i actually hate the way i phrased that question because you are famous <laughs> dude. your respect in the music industry is amazing thank you you've name off some of the people you've written songs for
1: um enrique iglesias timberland david Guetta, justin bieber uh, Jason Derulo, Ziggy Marley, All Time Low, uh, Sean Kingston, Kailani, Skylar uh, Grey. You have Skylar a song Gray. with Snoop Dogg. I have Snoop Dogg, yeah.
0: yeah. Great song, check it out. <laughs> <Diles> only. <laughs> yeah. only. <laughs> so fun. <laughs>
1: it's great. That was a fun one. Um, oh, man. Uh, Akon, Flo Rida, Sia.
0: Um, Is this is this a manifestation of your childhood dream? Like these are, you are, you're there. This is, you're at the peak. I guess to a certain
1: extent, yeah. I mean, like my childhood dream was just to like be in front of people singing, you know, and I get to do that all the time. Um, The opportunity to have worked with so many legends never even crossed my mind. It wasn't on my radar. Writing for other people was never on my radar. And when it came up, it was like, oh, this is, this is awesome, and it's just happening. And I, like, honestly, it kind of felt like I was in the middle of it and looked back and went, oh, wow, did that all just go down? Is that real? You know? It, it, it's it been a crazy journey. It's been an absolutely insane journey, and I am so grateful for it. I'm absolutely, and I, like, I, I really do get to work with some of the best people in music. It's crazy. It's absolutely
0: bananas to me. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> There's that character again. <laughs> I, so I just finished a book called "The Art." Sorry, "The War of Art." Yes, very, Press very, it. yeah, yeah, amazing. And in the book, he talks about the creative process and the difficulty of the creative process. Uh huh. Um, speaks about this concept of resistance that we have, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, it seems like everything is fighting against you. While you're in this creative process, mm-hmm. I want to know what what is your creative process? <sighs> There's, that, that's a that's a big one because I have a lot of different creative processes. Um, when you're when you're sitting down to write a song, I'm sitting down to write a song for me or for somebody or, else.
1: Let's get specific.
0: Okay, uh, the one you love doing,
1: the one I love doing. So, I so when I when I'm get, sitting down to write a song, that say I would put on a project of mine. I I go concept first. I go, okay, what do I want this song to be about? And then I just start talking about it. And maybe I'll be at a piano, maybe I'll have a guitar in my hand, and I'll have a chord progression that is, like, speaking to me musically. Um, And then I'll just start talking about whatever the subject is that I've, like, decided I'm going to write about, and I'll record it. And then and when I feel something that I'm like, oh that's that that's a, a road I will go down. I'll stop and I'll write some stuff down and then I'll sing some stuff and just like see how it is. I probably will stop and listen to some stuff that inspires me. Um like I'll listen I like when I get stuck on a song, I listen to uh Watermelon Man by uh by Herbie Hancock and the <laughs> the funky Headhunters. It's got no lyrics, it's just really good music. And it just takes me a place where I'm like, it's it's the place of creativity, or I'll listen to like I'll listen to John Mayer all day. Like I love his Continuum album; it it, it really inspires uh, a lot of music in me. So um, I'll stop listen to that and then go back and go, okay, all right, let's keep going. That's that's one of my one of my my processes. When it's for somebody else, I'll start with the melody. I'll start with. Uh, Because in pop music, like we were talking about, melody is king. So I will literally start by just singing gibberish melody notes over a track. And then I'll go back and listen. And I'll go, okay,
0: which one of that sounds like it's going to be killing the clubs next week? You know? (laughs) And then I'll go from there. Do you have a typical time frame in which you write a song or finish a song? About six hours. Sometimes
1: three, sometimes nine.
0: The whole thing? The melody and the lyrics too? Yeah, for sure. Wow
1: because once you start when, once a story gets started it tells itself you just have to find you just got to chisel out the words because it's like if you find what the story is you find the concept it's like it, it, you just got to find clever ways to say s- things that people have heard but they've never heard it said this way before
0: mm. so why does why does it take only 6 hours to finish a song but 7 years for an album
1: because I didn't know what that project was for a long time and um, it was a lot of different songs that I had written for other people that they didn't take and when I decided to put the project together, all of the songs were in demo form. They were just in like their bare minimum form so that the artist could hear them and I took that seven years to make sure that I made it sonically beautiful and perfect to my ear because I'm a perfectionist when it comes to like mixing and... Like, like I, I want this section to have like a horn section right here and I want the violins to come in here and I want it to sound and I want them to like sound like the violins over here and sound like the horns over here. And it just, it took me, it costs money to do that stuff because you need studio time. You need to pay engineer and, uh, and also you need time to do that yourself. If you're, if, if you're not making any money and you need to be working somewhere else, you're not, I'm not touching that project. Um, in the middle of that, I tried to make a movie around it and that kind of like died very quickly. And that kind of set me back a little bit. And I was like, okay, I need to step away from this project. It was really connected to this ex-girlfriend I had. She wrote some of it with me. So I stepped back and I was like, okay, I need to get over that before I can get back into it. It's just like a lot of different things made it take seven years and it's, it's okay. It's, it's all right. I think it, it was supposed to take seven years. And it's, it's huge. It's, it is a movie. And I, if I could still make the movie, I still will make the movie, but you know, we'll see what happens.
0: We'll see. So, um, I'm curious, we talked a little bit about family and career. You Mm -hmm. have the pleasure of fathering how many kids? Six, six kids. Yeah. Has that been hard to balance? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My relationship with my kids is definitely not where I want it to be. And I, it has a lot to do with the fact that I don't live in a city that any of them live in. And uh, some of them Some of them don't want anything to do with me Because you know I just wasn't around You know I was that, that that dad for a long time I didn't really understand what it was to be a father And you know How to Balance doing what I love to do With what I'm supposed to be doing And uh, it's definitely taken a toll um, I'm doing uh, I'm doing my best At this point to try to try to pick up Pick up those pieces But you know, anything you leave neglected for that long is going to be really difficult to, to fix. So some of my kids, we we hang out a lot, and it's awesome. My oldest is 22. She definitely likes to turn up. <laughs> so we go out sometimes, you know. That's great. Yeah, it's fun. It's good times.
0: Music isn't your only career, though. No. You kind of dipped <laughs> your toes into comedy a little bit. Is that right? I
1: did. I did. I've always been a huge stand-up fan, and I... Didn't know if I'd be good at it, but I said, you know, screw it. I'm going to try. And if I, if I'm not good at it, I'll, I'll leave it alone. If nobody ever asks me to do anything, I'll, I'll walk away peacefully and say, I did. Some I shows. I did. So I haven't stopped. You know, it be, people are enjoying it. Seemingly. I actually had a show Saturday in, uh, in Burbank. Uh, mostly in New York. I had a lot of shows in New York. I, New York is like the Mecca of comedy as you know, LA is the Mecca of music. It's, it's so much, like it's so, so much fun. The most challenging thing I've done by far in my whole
0: life. I can't imagine the courage that it takes.
1: It was, it was, it scared the crap out of me, man. It was awesome. And, <laughs> it, you know, when you put yourself in a position where you don't know what's going to happen and then on the other side of it, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. You start to have like a courage to try, like try to do more stuff. And once I got over that hump, it was just like, okay, now I know. And now I know, like, if I really want to do like an hour special, I could write an hour special. I love doing comedy, but it's a hobby. It's a hobby. Okay. If maybe at some point, I will, you know, put those two things together. And and I loved, I love to act. I've always been like a, an actor that never really put his eggs in that basket. But um, I feel like, you know, maybe I'll get a part someday, somewhere. Yeah. But I love comedy
0: it's interesting as I've been trying to improve this show and like hone in my interview skills. Cause it's mm-hmm. been very like interviewing is not easy. No, I thought it was just going to be super conversational, but you have to have a very set goal in mind mm-hmm. and keep the questions on that. You're doing great. Well, th- You're thank doing you. You're doing so good. But right I've now. noticed that all these, <laughs> all these good interviewers are com- comics like they're comedians. Yeah.
1: Um, Maybe you should try some open mics. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i'm not sure but i i have i have a sense you of humor could you but could do it i have a sense of humor but it's more like a per like inside jokes of humor so i'm not sure i'm not sure how well that's I the do.
1: thing though you got to create the inside joke with your audience that's all you got to do I don't know i'm gonna idea. i'm gonna um i'm gonna write you some jokes and i'm gonna take you to an open mic and you're gonna go up and you're gonna you're gonna kill
0: my palms are sweating <laughs> about it. Uh, that's awesome are you ready for some fan questions sure Okay, so these are going to be all over the spectrum. Okay, the deep to all right. right let's do know. it. Okay, so the first one, right. it's almost not even work, worth asking. Salome Galvis, who do you like better, Andrew or Sean? Yeah, I mean that's that's an easy one for you. They're the same person. <laughs> I'm I
1: like Shandrew. Uh, okay,
0: <laughs> Morra May. Wow, you know you know our our ship tag. That's great. Is that I just made ship- that up. No, that's Chandra. What? Yeah, it's the thing. I'm a genius. Um, <laughs> Mara Murray May asks, who is your idol? I'm assuming, like, who is your. Do you have a role model in music? My, my
1: absolute favorite singer-songwriter is Stevie Wonder, like, since I was a small child. And, <laughs> like, when I heard his voice when I was a little kid, I was like, okay, who is this person? I want to do what they're doing. And then my uncle was a huge Stevie Wonder fan, too. And he, when I was seven, he sat me down. And made me listen to Songs in the Key Life from beginning to end. And he would like he would stop and like talk to me and go, Like, listen to what he's doing. Like he's not doing all these runs at the beginning of the song. He can do it, but he starts off by building the song like a house. You know, you gotta put the foundation in first. And I was just like seven, I was like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea I <laughs> wanna be blind someday. <laughs> I like really thought that I had to be blind to be a great <laughs> musician at a certain point in my life. It's really weird. But I love Stevie Wonder, and always will. Oh, like I was in a room with him once, no way. and John Mayer was on stage singing. And I've sp- I've played with John a few times, and he's like, he's like, "Do you want to come up?" And I'm like, "No, Stevie's here. I'm not coming on stage. I'm not even messing with it." Like he's the one person I just I'm too scared to sing in front of. Wow, yeah, it's crazy. That is nuts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, um, Megan Mott, ninety three wants to know what the hardest thing about writing a song is.
1: The hardest thing about writing a song is l- saying something. That people have heard but saying it different because there's so many songs that have said the same thing and there's so many songs about the same thing and to make your song stand out like in the millions and billions of songs that there are like to say something in a different way and to make a melody like interesting enough for people to go. That's my favorite song, you know, like how do you do that? It's really difficult, but. Once you stop thinking about it in that w- in that way, it becomes a lot easier. Because when you're thinking, "Oh, this is going to be hard," that's what it's going to be. But if you're like, "Okay, I can do this. I can make. I I I know that there's a clever way to do this," then you know, the universe
0: answers with, "Yep, I got you." <laughs> Wilson Johnson Five asks Nickelback or Creed.
1: Nickelback or Creed? <laughs> 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 um. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, I'm mean, gonna have to say Nickelback, but I'm st- what? <laughs> yeah. I was gonna
0: say there's one right answer, and that's Creed. Really? My best friend gave me that her. Her. I love it. <laughs> yeah.
1: I just feel like all like like his voice and a lot of other voices in the '90s were the same voice. Like, I feel like there's like I don't feel like they've ever all been in the same room because it's the same dude. Creed, Eddie, Creed
0: is Eddie, my Teddy Stevie Vedder, Wonder.
1: Eddie Vedder's like brother, Teddy Vedder. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, last one from the audience. <laughs> Similar Nine wants to know how you get to be a good singer. How do you get to be a good singer? You know what?
1: This is going to be, Mike, maybe a hard, a hard answer for a lot of people. Some people have it and some people do not. And there is people that can learn. that, that There are people that can learn and they, they, they don't necessarily know how to sing right now. And then there's people that just will never be able to sing. They're, they're called tone deaf. Really? And a lot of them don't know that they're tone deaf. They have no idea. It's really sad, um, if you do have it though, what I would say is i would I would actually find your favorite singer and imitate them every day until you find your own voice, and just try to sound try to like use your ear to make your notes match their notes as much as possible. Um, uh, find a vocal coach, vocal coaches are really good at getting. You know, people to use their ear and because uh, what like what, the, the the biggest part about singing is listening, and a lot of people think, oh, if I'm singing, I'm not listening. Well, if you're not listening, you're not singing. If you're not listening, you shouldn't even be around music at all. <laughs> so, yeah, listening is the big. find a vocal coach. You're gonna be fine unless you don't have it. That's <laughs> <laughs> hard to tell people, but I ca- I can't I can't I can't sugarcoat it. Some people should never sing.
0: Is it? So say, say I'm not tone deaf. Say I'm one of those Kay. people that could potentially sing. You can carry a tone. Which, if, you know, Sean, I'll tell you that I do try to sing. Yeah. And I'm not tone deaf. I actually I actually can match the notes. Oh. If I was going to practice every day, mm-hmm. is am I going to get – Twice as good? Am I going to get ten percent better? Like,
1: there's no way to gauge that. Really? Yeah, there's no way to gauge that. It has to do with how, like, how you learn and how fast you learn in that way, and finding the, your best way to learn. You know, like, like it, it's kind of like a public school thing. Like, a lot of kids were told that they were had learning disabilities, but they didn't. They just didn't learn the way that the teacher was teaching. If you find your your way of learning, um, you'll know. Because you'll, you'll see results faster. So you just got to try a lot of different things. And I think that for you, it's just keep listening to something better. So and singing it. <laughs> <dun>,
0: you, <laughs> you guys will find out. Check out his album when it comes out. Um, okay, I want to know what your goals are now in your career. You're oh, man. About to turn 40, or you are 40. Uh, you have this huge album coming out. What are your goals? Goals.
1: I have, like, a few, like, like short-term goals that I'm kind of like in the middle of meeting right now. Uh, like putting the album out, my goal is to get it out in as many places as possible. Um, I I really want to film a movie based on the album or a Netflix series, to be honest. I would, I, I'd much rather have it be like a series because there's just m- more content that way. The story is like, you know, more detailed, and I love that. Um, I started writing it. It's a superhero uh, it's a superhero story. It's kind of marvelly. I love it. Um, then, I want to. I want to travel. I want to travel, and I want to. I want to travel this album. I want to take this album myself with a band, and and play it in front of people. I love being on stage. I love like connecting with the people that I'm like playing music for. Um, if I don't get to do that, uh, it's okay. But I really like. After the album comes out, I think I'm going to put some some eggs into that basket. Um, I want to accept a Grammy for something off my own album. Mm-hmm. I really want to go up on stage and like say thank you to everybody that helped me on this project. It
0: was a, like a, a
1: huge amount of people. I want to... Um, that would be like that would be that would be a huge milestone how many times have you been nominated um i've been nominated 5 times and i've won 2 so which is cool but it's somebody else accepting that award yeah. you know and it's you know it's awesome to be a part of that that club but i want to be a part of that other club too you know
0: those are very tangible goals i like them yeah. one question i always ask i feel like no success happens without a solid group of community of supportive community around you who's mm-hmm. your team my team um day in and day out day in and day out or maybe maybe in your industry there's there's no such well thing. there
1: is there is um i have i have a very small team at this point it kind of whittled down uh jp uh juan negretti he's my executive producer on the album he's been biggest part of my team john armstrong he's mastering my project he's a, he's always been around and supportive and he's like helped engineer a lot of that stuff um my my immediate support system summer Manier is just like one of the most supportive and uh you know she's she's uh, she's rooting for me all the time um clara c is an artist that is has always like just been ready to tell people that that you know they should listen to my stuff you do the same thing apparently <laughs> 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 um thomas Strayton, he's a bass player uh, and a really good friend. He plays bass for Childish Gambino. He's always been uh, somebody I could call when things are great and when things are not great. I can call him anytime and go, hey, I want to talk. And he's just like, what's up, man? I got you. You're my brother. Um, I know I'm going to forget a lot of
0: people and I'm going to make some people upset. You're practicing your Grammy award. <laughs> I just want to thank... Uh, great. Uh, yeah. Um yeah.
1: A lot of people at APG have, have been supportive. A lot of the producers and a lot of the executives there um, just kind of you know supporting the the letting me take three months off from writing pop music to just go and find myself in comedy or finish my album. Um man, there's a lot of
0: people. There's a lot of people. Um it's weird. I feel I feel like we both kinda have this complex and maybe maybe it's just a human condition. In my football career, I still don't think I've reached success. But it's I've realized it's like this treadmill where when I was a little kid, I really only wanted to play college football. Mm-hmm. And then the NFL happened, and I started. You know, it's important to always set higher and higher goals. Yeah, for sure. But defining success for me has really been um, a main objective because my NFL career has not been successful by most people's standards. But mm-hmm. for me, it's like, man, this is. I've had to honestly readjust because I, I realized, okay. You know, it wasn't it wasn't my goal initially, but then it was my goal to make a team. Yeah, and then I have signed seven contracts now. Wow! But still haven't like played in a regular season game. So now that's my goal. But I've yeah. realized like you're always gonna continue to up the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what is your definition of success?
1: I used to be something different. Like you're saying, you know, it you redefine what it is a lot. And you know, I guess before about four years ago. I had this picture in my head that success was, okay, I'm making residual checks from multiple places and I have a big house and I I, I don't really quote-unquote work. I just do music for a living. I have a studio and my playtime is how I make money. And then I, I don't know, I got slapped in the face with who I actually was and finding out, you know, how to be like a more powerful human being for the people in my life instead of just myself. And I I had to redefine what, what success was at that point to, for me, success is impacting people in a powerful way for a positive. And it sounds really cliche and simple, but like money is... a a certain type of success if you, you know, if you give power to money. Mm -hmm. But money isn't the only power. Um, Love is literally the most powerful thing in the world. And whether it be, you know, romantic love or a brotherly love or just the love of another human for, you know, one second in one day, you know, um, I feel like when I, when I... (laughs) when I can honestly say that I'm loving to my full capacity to everybody in my life and I'm connected with, that's when I'm successful and I'm not right now. I'm not successful. I I have so much to learn and I have so far to go and i always will, but, um, striving for that and, and, uh, and, and I don't know, directing my life in that way. I think, uh, you know, always reaching for that type of success is going to make everything else fall into place anyway. So
0: yeah. Yeah. Before I ask you the last question, which is three takeaways for the audience, three life lessons that you've learned, Mm -hmm. whether that applies to life in general or business. I do want to tell you that, um, on your definition of success, I've been very impressed with your ability to connect with people. And so that's the first step in, in your mission which is to impact people in a positive way. And so props to you. No, seriously, man. Seriously. You're great at that.
1: This wasn't supposed to be a crying interview. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
0: But now now the last question. Okay. Three takeaways.
1: Three takeaways. The first thing I would say, (laughs) always be on time. Always respect the people that are helping you get where you're going to go. If you're not respecting their time, then they don't have any reason to respect yours. And even if they're not respecting your time, still do it. Always be on time. Being punctual, it sounds stupid and simple to some people, but it's, it's the beginning of setting yourself up as someone with integrity. Like if you say you're going to be somewhere at 4 o'clock, be there at 5.50. You know what I mean? And you'll be the person that is reliable in that way. And, and it, it, it just branches out from there. Um, the second thing I would say is play to your strengths. Play to your strengths. If you are a a mouthpiece, be a mouthpiece. You're a mouthpiece. You are a very articulate, very charismatic individual. And you're playing to your strength, man. You're like you're like, like you were saying, you know, like you were like all these guys that do interviews are comedians, but you don't necessarily need to do that. You're like really, you know, smooth. It's very comfortable. Maybe it's because we love each other, I but it's, the hair. it's probably your hair, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but you know, play to your strains. Like, like we were talking about the people that are tone deaf, that want to be singers. You can love music and be in music and be in different parts of music that aren't singing, but You know, play to your strengths. Find out what they are. Um, The third one is... It's uh, harder to say. Uh, It's do everything in love. Don't do everything for yourself because at the end of the day, the people in your life are what make your life. And if you're doing everything for yourself, you're going to end up by yourself. That's just the way it goes. If you're doing everything to get ahead and you're willing to step on anybody to get there then you might have great success for a little while and then you're going to be alone because how you treat people on your way up is how they're going to treat you on your way down so show love and show respect that's it
0: wow jacob love your story love your perspective appreciate you being on the show man thanks for having me man It's just been, it's been awesome. It's so much fun. Thanks again. Love hanging out with you. Miss you, bro. (laughs) I know. Hey guys, it's Andrew. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of redirected. If you find this podcast valuable, there are a lot of ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever platform you happen to listen from. You can share it with your friends on social media, blogs, or on your own podcast. Also, head over to andrewdeast.com for more information and to request your favorite celebrity, entrepreneur, athlete, or anyone else who inspires you. And while you're at my site, be sure to sign up for my newsletter so you can get updates on other fun stuff going on. Also, you guys know I love connecting with you, so if you want to reach out to me directly on Instagram or Twitter, my handle is at andrewdeast. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next time on Redirected.